If you're listening to this episode, I'm really glad you're here because we are going to break down how you can make sure that your recovery practices actually are working for you rather than working against you. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirsten Lauritsen. I'm a personal functional medicine practitioner for high performers and professional athletes. And I've worked with athletes in many different sports from the US sailing team to endurance sports and triathlon, CrossFit and professional tennis players across the board in any sport. Maintaining a foundation of a healthy body and mind is crucial for long-term success. This is the podcast that will show you how to apply the principles of a healthy body and mindset to achieve high performance all from the inside out. This is the Fit and Healthy Athlete Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fit and Healthy Athlete Podcast. I'm Dr. Kirsten Lauritsen, and today we're going to talk about recovery. And before you kind of go, I know everything I need to know about recovery, (laughs) here's the thing stay with me, your recovery choices might actually be causing more stress and more problems than helping. So I hope that I've caught your attention because today is going to be a really packed episode where I'm going to talk about some of the, the like four ways specifically that you can get the most out of your recovery, but we're also going to talk about areas where a lot of athletes go wrong and are doing technically the right things, but it's actually causing more problems for their health, but also for their performance. So I tend to look at recovery a little bit differently than most. Um, You've likely heard the very common tips of like, you need to eat more nutrition overall, like get your calories right and all of that. Make sure that you eat more protein and definitely make sure that you're taking all of your post-workout things and you're doing all those, all those things that you should be doing. Also sleep or sleep more is one that you often hear a lot, as well as make sure you're taking rest days, right? Like those are your super common ones. And those all are really, really important. So if you've heard that before, that's great. And if you're doing those things, that's awesome. If you're not, we're going to talk about those a little bit later, as far as like what you can be doing that can help to get the most out of your performance. But what I want you to also remember is that as it comes to certain recovery practices, there are some that are really, really good for you, but they might be actually leading to more stress on your system than actually helping. And so let's dive into what I mean by that. So there are a lot of different types of recovery plans. Like you might've heard of ice baths. You might've heard, or like cold plunges is a really common one or saunas. You also might've heard of like Well, and then you also know like massage, chiropractic, PT, like those types of things can be really helpful as well as using like instrument assisted where you like scrape the tissues um, for soft tissue work. All of those things are really, really common and they are known to improve recovery, right? Like studies have shown that they do help to improve recovery. However, what they also might do though, on the flip side is those different types of recovery methods could potentially make things worse. And that's what we're going to cover today because studies have literally shown both sides uh, of where if an athlete is deficient in certain types of vitamins and minerals, or is maybe dealing with a lot of stress or oxidative stress or load that athlete, if you put them in an ice bath or cold, cold something, um, or if you put them in like hot saunas, 
there are many different ways where those types of modalities could potentially lead to more inflammation and more problems. So what I want you to do today is I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to draw an arch on that, on that sheet of paper, or you can just, if you're listening to this in the car, you can just do it in your mind. At the top of that arch, at the top of the arch, I want you to, to write peak performance. This is where, this is the area where we want most of our athletes to live is in this peak performance area. Then at the, uh, below the arch, so like on the y-axis, what you're going to draw is an arrow from the left to right that is labeled degree of stress. Okay. So, so far you should have an arch that's going from left to right on your paper with peak performance at the top. And then an arrow at the bottom of your arch going from left to right with labeling that as degree of stress on the bottom left, right, or sorry, on the bottom left arch. What I want you to write is detrained so that where that left arch starts that you've drawn that uh, right by that, that where that starts, I want you to write detrained. And then as you're moving up the left arch in the middle, I want you to write adaptive. And then when you go to the right side where you're midway down um, at the, the right side of the arch, I want you to write mitochondria dysfunction, or you can just write stress. That's fine as well. And then at the far right bottom of the arch, what you'll write is um, chronic illness, injury, or disease. Okay. So as you look at this from, a, um, from, from now that you've written it all out and drawn it all out, what you should see is an arch on your paper that starts with detrained and then can lead to chronic illness or disease on the far side. And then there's somewhere there's peak performance in the middle, but on both sides, there's, there's room for where we're either adapting or we're starting to see the signs of increased load and stress on the body. This is a piece of paper that you can keep with you and just post somewhere and use this as a reminder of why you're doing certain things and how you need to be doing certain things as it comes to recovery, but also as it comes to your training, because we don't necessarily want to, to not do enough that, you know, we become detrained, right? Like there's, we always start it somewhere. And that's, that's usually, um, where, you know, we just haven't been training or, you know, off season, we're kind of in that, we're in that scenario. But then as you go through that adaptation to exercise, you know, we get to that peak performance that we're looking for, but we don't always hang out in that peak performance all the time. We can kind of go from left to right on that arch swinging from left to right. The thing is though, is that we don't want our practices to get us all the way over to where we're getting stressed. We're seeing mitochondrial dysfunction. We're seeing, and I'll, I'll go into what that means. Um, but we also don't want to see you, you know, going into chronic illness, injury, or disease, right? That's that degree of stress that we really don't want to see. And here's the thing. Some recovery methods increase stress, right? So you might be at peak performance, but as soon as you start incorporating certain types of recovery methods. If maybe life gets a little bit stressful, you're doing a lot of traveling for Ironmans or your sport, or because it's either your job or you're traveling a lot for your other job outside of sport. There are, there's many different ways that stress can increase, but 
If you are, you know, potentially not eating enough to support your training, if you are not fueling enough to support your training and also the demands of life outside of training, then you've got stress from that. And then now you're adding in an additional stressor as a way to try to boost your recovery. Now we've just got so much stress on the body that we've, we've gone to the far right side of that of that arch where we're potentially ending up in that injury or illness side of things. And that's what we want to avoid. So there's a couple of things around recovery. Now that you have that, that uh, visual, there's a couple of things around recovery that I want to explain. So, and this is actually a personal story that you'll see all the time I remember, uh, when I was doing CrossFit a lot, what I, noticed was that, you know, I was like constantly flirting with like your Olympic lifts and you've got, you're trying to get that next, that next, um, weight up. Right. Like, so let's say that's like, a either a snatch or a clean and jerk. And like, I think I was stuck at like 165 in a front, like clean and jerk for quite a while. Um, I could back squat 200, but I was only being able to really front squat 165. And so my clean was sort of stuck there as well. Uh, so, but, and so I just like, couldn't get past this, like one spot and we went on a trip, we went on a vacation and we really didn't do much at all uh, as far as like fitness wise. And when we came back, I like, we just so happened to be, be testing our one rep maxes for our, um, clean and jerks and the weight went up. And now then I had a new, a new one rep max. This happens all the time. Like actually in another story, I just had another patient of mine who had COVID and had another surgery in January. And, um, she is now she's training for a big, big marathon coming up in a few, few months. And she was just saying how, uh, the, the break throughout January, she thought it was actually going to be a, um, a, a hard scenario to come back from. And in fact, it actually ended up being really good for her to take that, that significant break that she did, because now she's not only just back up and hitting her, her markers where she was, was before January, but she's also feeling a lot better. And just, she's, I mean, she's just going to keep, she's going to keep going. So sometimes it can actually be really helpful to take like legit time off. And that, and that can sometimes be a week vacation. And sometimes that can be longer than that. And that's honestly, like, that's where the, the idea of off season is supposed to come from. But a lot of people are also still fairly active in their off season and they don't really take a ton of time off. And this also is something that endurance athletes tend to be really bad at as well, because endurance athletes have a tendency to think that they need to be doing stuff all the time and they need to be doing more. And, you know, it's, and it needs to be this either like super intense work or they need to be constantly training. And it's, it's understandable. It makes sense. Like I, I do realize that, you know, in order to get better, you need to train. (laughs) I do understand that, but there are definitely a lot of methodologies around it as well. Like there are many different people who look at training methods and some will do a lot of that. You know, a lot of the time you'll spend in that 80% range of your uh, intensity, right. And of, of wherever your performance is, but there's also a lot of people who will do a lot in the 20% range. So that like zone one or like super, super chill workouts, but they're for like hours at a time. 
the point of all of this is that it doesn't really, I mean, there's, there's, we could argue for different training methods all day long, but the point is that a lot of where you get those benefits from any type of training method that you do is through recovery. It's the adaptation to exercise that happens in your recovery time that actually gets you the benefits that you're looking for. So one of the, there's a couple of different mistakes. And I think also like just misconceptions around recovery that I want to go into, um, for today. So number one, one of the biggest mistakes that athletes make, and especially endurance athletes is again, this like idea that they really want to do more. That is one, that is one area where if you don't actually give yourself a break and give yourself time to recover, eventually it will catch up with you. Like you may notice for the short time being that things are going really well, but there will come a time where the body can't sustain that load. And then that's where things tend to fall apart. Another misconception that athletes and that I see all the time, especially with uh, endurance athletes is that they, again, that they think their adaptation to exercise comes from their training when it relies heavily on their recovery. So that misconception, I think is one where it just seems like when you're training, that's, that's where you're going to get the most benefits from that exercise. When in fact, it's really about the sleep quality that you have. It's about time off that you spend. It's about getting your feet up and just chilling and relaxing all of, and if that's not an option for you, or let's say you have a very intense job where maybe you work construction or you are constantly on your feet the whole entire day then, you know, we need to also manage our, our, well, you need to find time for recovery. And so that might literally mean taking a rest day, a, like a specific rest day so that you can balance out the, the load that's on your system. Right. Another mistake that athletes can make around recovery as well is, is not prioritizing sleep. It's really, really common for athletes to get into a, a mode where you see those performance declines or maybe like a stagnation with performance and, or an additional stressor comes into play with your lifestyle. And now you've got to figure out where you're going to put your training in. And then a lot of people will tend to, to not prioritize sleep. So they'll start to sleep less so that they get more hours in the day so that they can get it all done. And I understand all the different types of loads that everybody deals with. Like I get, I get all the different scenarios but you've got to figure out somehow where you're going to get that recovery from, because what's likely happening, if you're seeing that stagnation or that decrease or the decline in performance, where that's most likely coming from is too much stress and load on the system. So putting more stress and more load, and then not prioritizing your recovery is going to put you even further down into that process. And it can increase it can inflammation. It can increase fatigue, all of the things that we don't want to see. Right. The other mistake that I see a lot as well is around balanced daily nutrition. One of the very critical pieces of recovery is food. It's, it's nutrition. It's getting, making sure you're eating enough protein. It's making sure you're eating enough calories. There's so many different areas under nutrition that are critical for recovery. But what happens a lot of the times is that athletes skip meals. They try fasting. They try doing like keto, for example, where you're eating a lot of protein and fat, but not a whole lot of carbohydrate. 
And that might work for some, like some of those methods may work for some people, but for most, and particularly in the endurance world, those are going to be really precarious situations to be in because with daily nutrition, you need to make sure that you're eating enough calories for your day. And especially if you are an endurance athlete, if you're a high performer an elite or pro athlete, your calories and also how you balance out those calories really matters for that long-term performance and for that peak performance for that matter. Plus it's through usually the foods that you get, that's like the area where we want to get most of your nutrition from. So a lot of those antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, we want to be getting them from whole food as much as we possibly can, because we want to be very careful about the supplements that we take. Because if you take supplements at the wrong time, you can actually reduce that adaptation to exercise. So you can start to see like that daily nutrition is going to be really critical. This is also where a lot of athletes tend to like get really confused as well. Like I've worked with countless athletes that come to see me because their nutrition is just one of those things that they're like, I literally have no idea what to do. I've like listened to the podcasts. I've read all the things and I'm just so confused on what the best thing would be to do here. And then they also don't really know how, like maybe they've been a marathon runner in the past, but they don't really know how to take their fueling from marathon running, which for some of them, if you run a two to three hour marathon, you may not be doing a whole ton of fueling. Whereas like then going from a two to three hour event to, or four hour event to a 10, 12, 14 hour event, that's an entirely different scenario. Right. So those are just some areas where you've got to make sure that those are dialed in, in order to get the most out of your training and make sure that you're not leaving some of that training on the table, right? If you're going to spend the time training, you might as well get the most out of it, right? So there's a couple of different things that, and a couple of different steps that you can make as it comes to recovery. And we're going to dive into at, at the, just right after this, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, that mitochondria bit and that stress and that load, but bear with me here, because these are four steps that you really want to make sure that you're doing to make sure that you get the most out of your recovery. So number one, and you've likely heard this from many people, right? Many coaches, doctors, that a lot of, a lot of people are going to tell you to do these things. So number one is daily nutrition. Just as I mentioned, making sure that you're getting that really dialed in and eating enough to support your training is critical. What I mean by eating enough, I'm going to give you some numbers. So resting metabolic rate for most female athletes, people in general is going to be around 1500 calories. Your resting metabolic rate means like if you were in a coma, not doing a whole lot. So that's like anything beyond just like laying in bed is going to be a resting metabolic rate. That's like more or less to like, keep your body alive. Then you add on all the things on top of that, all of your movement, all types of training and all of that. Now things do change. If you have a particularly sedentary job that does need to be factored in to your overall daily calories. If you have a more active job then that needs to be factored in, but for the most part, I see a lot of female athletes eating somewhere between 1500 to 1800 calories a day. And for a lot, especially for my endurance athletes, or if you are a pro or elite athlete, you know, you might be looking at more towards 2,500 to 3000 calories, right? So that's a huge jump between 
where you might be to where you will, if you can get to that point, you will notice the most benefit from eating enough food. Like you'll see huge jumps in your performance because you'll actually be getting enough food in order to not only fuel that sport and fuel that training, but you'll also be getting a lot of those nutrients in that your body desperately needs in order to do the things that you want it to do, right? Not just perform, but also to be able to recover so that you can do, do it all again tomorrow. Uh, for men, it's kind of a similar scenario, right? Like if, if it's 1500 for, for female athletes, it can be anywhere between 1800 to 2000. And that's for average. You can have people on both sides of the scale where you may be somebody who has a super high metabolism. And so your resting metabolic rate is going to be even higher than that. Whereas for some people, if you have a slower metabolism than the average numbers I gave, then it might be a little bit lower than that. But the point of it all is that you need to know where you need to start. And then from there, you can make sure that you're eating enough based on how much activity you're getting done in your day. One of the best ways that you can do that is by getting a DEXA scan with an RMR breath test. And you can usually look those up in your area and find one that uh, is close to you. Another thing that another, another, so the second step with all of this is you want to make sure that you're getting your post-workout nutrition, right? That means getting enough protein and enough carbohydrate in within an hour after your workout to replenish and start getting that recovery kicking in as quickly as possible. I get a little more specific with this. I like to see athletes doing at least 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of training. And that has a tendency to be a little bit more specific to female athletes, but you're still going to get the benefits from that. If you are a male athlete, um, or whichever side you, you are, you're with the, the point of it is that the getting, making sure that you're getting enough protein is really, really critical and for, for both, both sides, but it's particularly for, for, um, female athletes, one of the things that you absolutely have to have is that protein coming in so that it gets your brain signaling to your muscles that you need to start recovering. So those are some things that are really, really important as well as I'll also say this for your performance and for your recovery, making sure that you're eating enough throughout the day is also really important because one of the things that can happen is if you aren't eating enough, you may also start to notice that you make different choices with your foods as well. Like you may notice that instead of getting three or four really solid, really balanced meals, you skip a meal or you, something happens and you're not getting enough food in at the beginning of the day. And then towards the end of the day, what ends up happening is a lot of binging on like carbohydrate type foods, like chips and all sorts of different types of food, you, you name it but it just sort of kind of gets out of control in a sense because the body needs those calories. It needs that food. And that absolutely can affect the choices that you make around food as well. And I'm not saying that chips or any of those foods are bad. The point though, is that we do need to make sure that you're getting a wide variety of rainbow colored foods, lots of different types of colorful fruits and veggies and really good quality protein. Those need to be the foundation, the basis of your, of your nutrition. And then you can add anything in on top of that. Like there's no, there's not necessarily any restrictions per se, but you just want to make sure that your foundation of your daily nutrition is on point. 
But if you don't get that on point, that's where things can start to get out of control with cravings. And then you, you know, you just end up down this rabbit hole where things are just, you, we're losing energy by the end of the day. You don't feel very good. You feel fatigued. Your workouts at the end of the day are just dragging on and on, you know, stuff like that. The third point that is really critical for recovery is taking rest days. So rest days are, they could look like an active recovery day for some of you. That's what you do. You do yoga, you do a gentle walk or something like that. Like for some of you, active recovery is what you do. For others, it might literally be just taking a day off of training and at least one day a week is ideal. But, you know, for some people that you might actually do more with, with two days off a week and just spreading those out. And part of it is just figuring out what works best for you and tracking those performance markers and seeing how you respond to different inputs and, and putting in one rest day or maybe two rest days and seeing how you do. The fourth tip that's really important as well is getting really good quality sleep. And you can go back to a previous episode where I talked about sleep and I will link that in the show notes. Sleep is also going to be really critical for your recovery because one of the things that happens in some of the phases of sleep is it is literally designated for rest and recovery. So if you're not getting into some of those phases of sleep where you're getting that muscle and joint recovery, as well as that bone healing and recovery, and it gives you some immune boosts and all of those types of things, if sleep isn't, isn't on point, then, and you're not going through those phases of sleep and maybe you're, you're waking up at the middle of the night when you should be in that sleep, that's going to affect your recovery as well. So making sure that your sleep is dialed in is going to be really critical for that recovery. I'm telling you to do all of those things. Like those are all standard things that you'll most likely hear on a lot of different podcasts and all sorts of different stuff on the internet and books and all of those things. Like you're going to hear that those things are really important. How I look at this differently though, is that first off, like if you ever were to work with me or take any of my programs or anything like that, like we talk about all of those things and getting all of those things dialed in. But there are some other ways to look at this that are particular to what we were talking about when I had you draw out that arch and that map for peak performance and somewhere along the line, being able to keep your, yourself in that peak performance and not overloaded with stress. One of the ways to do this is by getting labs. And I know that I talk about this a lot. There's some labs that you can get where you already, like you may already have some labs that your, your doctor has ran that can tell you a lot about what's going on, but there are also some functional labs that will go even further where we can see how your mitochondria are doing. Do you have too much oxidative stress? Do you have too much inflammation? Do you have too much load on the system? Like we can legitimately run a panel and see on that map, if you're on the right side of that panel where it's like peak performance, but we're tipping over into the too much stress. And so now we're starting to see issues with uh, mitochondrial dysfunction and stress, and that could potentially lead us to chronic illness, injury, disease. So that's, that's one way that we can test and see if your body's adapting. The other thing that we can test in that as well is we're looking for your nutrient status. We're looking to see if you have all the nutrients necessary in order to be able to like recover. One of the things about the cold plunges and saunas that's really critical is making sure that you do actually have enough nutrients for your body to be able to 
remove some of the stress and then be able to actually like your mitochondria do a lot of work in that scenario when you're in cold and heat. And especially if you're alternating between the two. So you have to make sure that you actually have the nutrients necessary. And the mitochondria use all sorts of different types of nutrients. They use CoQ10, they use vitamin C, they use magnesium. Magnesium is a huge one. And magnesium is a, is a nutrient that most athletes are deficient in, but it's a, it's basically like a dishwasher for your mitochondria. Like it is is it's a part of almost every step along the way of how the mitochondria use your carbohydrates, fats, and proteins and break them down into energy. You have to have magnesium in order for all of that to happen and for them to be able to get rid of the byproducts that are really toxic for those cells. Okay. So the point of that is that, again, we want to make sure that depending on what recovery things you like to do, whatever that is, that is your favorite. We need to make sure that you actually have the foundation to be able to do that. And it's really common to run a panel and see like there, there are numerous athletes that I've worked with that have, have, uh, received panels back that have seen that their oxidative stress and inflammation are a little bit higher. And that's literally because there's an increased stress and load on the system and they're not getting what they need in order to help to counteract that training, that stress, whatever it is going on in their life. They're just, there's an imbalance there. So again, you might be adding increased stress on your system, which is pushing you further towards being that fit and fatigued athlete, which is where we really don't want you to be. The, the, the bottom line of all of this, and the reason why this is so critical to talk about in the terms of recovery is that my, my phrase is always test. Don't guess it's way more efficient. It's way more effective. If we can actually run the panels, run the tests, instead of have you just guessing about where you're at and what you need to be doing, we can get really super specific and make sure that everything's really dialed in for you. And we can also make sure that your body has exactly what it needs in order to optimize your recovery. So here's how you can figure out if you have what you need um, in order to recover. Well, you can go to I have a couple of different options for you, but you can go to and start with a free guide that I have over at drkirsten.com slash finish strong that will help you identify the areas where you may need to look a little bit further. Like in there, I've got a questionnaire for you. I've also got a, a, a brief sections on fueling properly and hydrating properly on nutrient deficiencies and making sure that you've got enough nutrients as well as looking at GI tract and gut health and how that can impact your performance as well as your recovery. So there's a lot of tools and a lot of resources in there that may be really helpful for you to be able to just set a baseline. Let's become aware. Let's figure out which areas you may have some gaps in that we need to work on and we need to fill, especially if there's anything around inflammation and things like that. It's all about that. Yeah. So that's all about bringing you awareness to where you might be struggling with a fatigued body that's, uh, experiencing, especially if you're experiencing like performance stagnation, or you're seeing performance declines, that is a guide that you absolutely want to check out because this is, this is how we can get you from having those injuries, having those illnesses, noticing that just things are just not quite right. And we can get you to feeling really, really good, being able to perform symptom-free and being able to, to 
for you to be able to become a fit and healthy pro athlete or elite athlete, whatever that is that you're, that you're going for. Right. The other option that you have as well is you can head to nwfunctionalmedicine.com. So that's Northwest Functional Medicine, nwfunctionalmedicine.com. And you can book a free strategy call with me to get started with the right labs based on your specific goals and to make sure that anything that you're doing is all really specific and dialed in for you. And that whatever you really like to do isn't necessarily causing problems for you. And we can make sure that you're able to do those things and have them actually do what you're, what they're supposed to do. So thank you for listening. And I will be back next week. Take care. Hey, did you know that up to 70% of athletes may be deficient in at least one micronutrient, if not potentially deficient in two or more? Micronutrient deficiencies like vitamin D, iron, calcium, vitamin E, B12, B9 are super common in athletes and they can lead to things like fatigue. They can lead to injuries and fractures, getting sick a lot and missing practice to unexplained pain and a lot more. On the flip side though, athletes who corrected nutrient deficiencies saw improvements in VO2 max, vertical jump, grip strength, force, improved delayed onset muscle soreness, and a lot more. That's why I created the Strong to the Finish Line free guide for athletes like you to be able to train and compete symptom-free so that you can have the confidence and the power to perform at your best. Get this guide for free at drkirsten.com slash finishstrong.